Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome to Window Watch as uh, we reflect on Norwich City's transfer activity and also look ahead to tomorrow's game against Leicester City as well. We'll be talking about some of the key lines to that game, um, which um, probably revolve around two players in particular. Connor Southall joined by Dave Freezer. If you've got any comments or questions over the next 45 minutes, then do get them in and we'll try and get through as many as we can. I can already see Sonny has, uh, has got one in, um, which is good to see. Dave, um, how are you? It's been uh, an interesting week for Norwich City, hasn't it? Obviously, that defeat against uh, Manchester City last week, which is pretty um, difficult because the scoreline was was harsh. The performance wasn't great, but it's still Manchester City. And we've seen Manchester United um, bolster their ranks with a certain Cristiano Ronaldo today. So, again, just shows the gulf, doesn't it, between the, the top clubs in the Premier League and, and those like Norwich City who maybe are at the other end of the spectrum. And then, of course, we had that that win against um, Bournemouth in the Cup. So, how how do you think the general mood is heading into to tomorrow um, amongst the group? Daniel seemed to imply that um, maybe spirits have been lifted a little bit. Yeah, it's difficult not to be um, after a 6-0 win, isn't it? I think that was... It's been sort of surreal, isn't it, to go from a 5-0 defeat and everyone being in such, uh, being so down in the dumps to being a 6-0 overwhelming win. Bournemouth were poor, but that could, that could have been 8 or 9-0, really, couldn't it? Norwich completely overran them. And it was just really good fun. It was really rejuvenating, I felt. And um, there's a really good little photo that Paul got, um, our photographer, Paul Cheston, and it is, is it Gibson, Pookie and Aarons in the in the director's box at, at the front? And you can just sort of see on their face that they're a little bit like, oh, I wish we were out there. <laughs> and they were almost a little bit sort of envious of the fact that um, the new lads had come in and had got this opportunity against a Bournemouth team where you could almost argue that Scott Parker had kind of given up on the game, given the team that he fielded. It was so young. He rested a lot of his young players. And that Pookie was probably thinking, oh, I'd love to be out there and get a couple of easy goals like Sargent's just got. And even Sargent, when I spoke to him after the game, he sort of joked that I've often seen goals scored like that and thought that must be such a nice feeling to just get a nice easy goal. And he got basically two I don't even know how he scored the second one <laughs> really so yeah I, I would have thought that that has probably just up the tempo in training that a little bit this week and, and has got them all in good spirits to now just give it one good real good push Daniel talked to, today about needing to grind out a result whether if they could grind out a nil nil I think you never really want that but it would be great in the circumstances wouldn't it a point and a clean sheet just as a starting point so they just got to give it everything before going into the international break which as I'd imagine we'll come on to has got a, a few sort of uncertainties around it hasn't it but if they can get anything out of this game that just allows them to build and everybody everybody to go through the international break thing that bit more positive about what's going to follow. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting tomorrow. Obviously, we, we kind of had the, uh, the the game against Bournemouth. It was, what, 10 changes um, from, from the team that started at Manchester City. It's going to be interesting to see what Daniel Farker decides to do tomorrow. And we'll come on maybe uh, to, to that in a little while. But we all turn our attentions to transfers. We're not going to be speaking about... Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo to, to Manchester United, which is mega, isn't it? I think for, for the Premier League in general, December, I think we'll we'll see him at Carrow Road, which is um, quite an exciting prospect, just just generally. Um, obviously, we hope he has a stinker that day. But, uh, well, he's lost at Carrow Road before, hasn't he? He has, he has. Yeah, maybe oh, there, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Maybe, maybe we can get um, Adam Drury back in, in the yellow and green just for a game, because I think he was, he was terrific that day, wasn't he? So, yeah, yeah hopefully a repeat of that. But from one Portuguese international to another, Dave, uh, it's provided me with a nice segue into William Carvalho, which was a link that surfaced yesterday morning. Sky Sports um, put it out there. 
68-time Portuguese international, uh, made his made his career really at Sporting Lisbon, but has um, played at Real Betis for the last few seasons. Been linked heavily with Arsenal throughout his career. Really, has been linked with a Premier League move for the last three or four years. I think Wolves are the are the latest club that have been linked with him as well. Obviously, a club who um, have utilised sort of Portuguese players predominantly for the last what, four four years, really, ever since Daniel Farker came to England. Anyway. Um, what, what do you make of this one? Because he is a name that lots of people are familiar with. He's um, played European football. He's a, a European Championship winner, regular Portuguese international. It's, it's quite an exciting link. And um, it, it does sound like Norwich have, have had a look, but ultimately it seems quite unlikely. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be an expensive one, doesn't it? You say he built his reputation uh, in everything that you said there. I think he's really built his reputation in the BBC Sport Gossip column. And I'd imagine <laughs> he's probably appeared in that hundreds of times over the years I'm not even joking he seems to have been linked with every club in England for every transfer window for about 10 years isn't he and he's never pitched up here so that immediately makes you feel a little bit suspicious I think if there's a deal to be done if he was up for it and and financially it could work Norwich would probably very much be interested that sort of experience would be an excellent addition he in style is probably a, a lot closer to an Ibrahim Amadou than a Billy Gilmore, isn't he? You know, he's big and strong. I don't think he's got a reputation for being particularly quick, um, technically fairly proficient, probably of a higher standard than Amadou was. Um, but he, he's someone that, given it's gone on this long, you wonder whether he is cut out for the Premier League because no one's ever, ever taken the plunge there. But you don't get that many caps for Portugal and win the Euros and all the things that he's done in his career without being a good player. So, yeah, if he was one that they could add, that would be potentially quite exciting. But just from the start, it's felt like one not to get too excited about because it, it just doesn't doesn't quite feel like the the sort of sign that you expect a newly promoted club to to make. And from his point of view, is it the sort of deal that he'd be interested in as well? You'd expect that he, if he was going to go somewhere, it would be more of a Palace or a West Ham or so, someone a bit more established. Yeah, he's, he's, it feels like he's been around forever, maybe because of all those um, appearances in the gossip, gossip column. 68 appearances for Portugal, probably several more in in those. Um, mm-hmm. Only 29. Yeah, I think Sky are reporting a, a season-long loan. I, I think they use the, um, the the term in talks, which is always relatively vague, isn't it, when, when, we, <laughs> uh, when, we, when we come to that. But that's sort of transfer window jargon that we get we get used to. Um, it certainly Going isn't. to make an offer. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Advanced stages, all, all those sort of things. I, I think we, we, as we've spoken about on here before, there's a lot of sort of grey matter between interest and a deal being confirmed. I mean, look at Ronaldo today and how that has escalated for an example. That probably isn't something that's happened in four hours. I wouldn't have expected. So um, it, it, it can be interesting. But yeah, like I say, it, it sounds like Betis have wanted to get rid of him all summer. Uh, they paid quite a big fee for him, 16 million euros um, a few seasons ago with various different clauses and add-ons. So probably uh, significant, well, significantly more than that. I've seen a few people um, sort of uh, write about him who, who have watched a lot more Spanish football than me who have, um, have said that maybe he's, he's not been particularly great in the last six months probably since January or so. I think he had a major injury a couple of years ago. So maybe would fit the mould in terms of a player that has a lot of potential to fulfil, but maybe hasn't has sort of fallen off a little bit. Kind of what we've seen Norwich do before, but on a on a bigger scale. But in terms of profile, Dave, I mean, we've spoken on here before about a, a sheer presence in midfield. Carvalho would offer that, wouldn't he, if, if Norwich City could um, get something arranged for him, even though, uh, as we, again, we, we must stress, it looks very unlikely at this stage. 
Yeah, he's he's a big lad, isn't he? He's more Amadou size than Tete size, um, and obviously Tete wasn't small, <laughs> um, and and had a fair bit of physicality about him, and and certainly in his latter years at Norwich, had really hit the gym pretty hard, didn't he, and become a a bit of a muscle man. But um, yeah, I mean, we saw Sorensen there on Tuesday night against Bournemouth, and there were there were a few decent bits and pieces from him in there, but it wasn't a night when you especially needed a, a defensive midfielder because Bournemouth. Well, after half time, they were pretty pathetic, weren't they? And they gave Norwich two goals. So he he wasn't desperately needed in that game. There were a couple of times when he swept up nicely. And we'll see how he comes into it. It's it's, it's just interesting from a starting point that Daniel Farker did play him there. Who knows? Maybe he saw enough to start him against Leicester tomorrow. I don't think that'll be the case. I think it's probably McLean comes in for rough. I think most people are expecting that. And I think he'll probably stick with Gilmore in there for, for the time being. Although... I, I do half wonder whether McLean's probably a, a better better as the as the deeper of the uh, if you're going to play in midfield midfield three. But um, yeah, Carvalho would certainly come with presence. He would come with a reputation. But as as we said a couple of times already, um, it's one that that we sort of felt you don't want to get too excited about. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's um it's one of those probably that has been presented to them and and they've explored it. I think that's that's maybe the better way um of, of putting it. But um, Matthias Norman, that one is still very much live. He's he's still a player of interest. He, he played this afternoon for for Rostov, didn't he? Um, Sonny's given us a, a nice scout report, so um we can read that. He's uh, he said thinking Norman would be a very astute signing. He's strong, quick. Uh, and can put in a good uh, tackle. He's the brick wall Norwich need in the midfield. So that's certainly positive. I hope um, I hope Sonny's been watching him this this afternoon. Um, Norman, it seems to be. I mean, again, we're talking about profiles of of players. Yeah, I can't I can't profess to have watched loads of. I haven't watched any of Matthias Norman to be completely frank. He plays in the Russian Premier League, so I think anyone who has a, a an encyclopedic knowledge on him, certainly from from our perspective, would be. Um, exaggerating maybe their, their understanding of him as, as a player but we can we can only go off sort of YouTube reels which is probably what the majority of fans will be going off and obviously the the views of people in Norway and and, and Russian journalists as well but and, and of course Sonny who's provided us with an excellent scout report there uh, it does sound like he's more in the mold of a kind of Ollie Skip agile um, kind of running defensive midfielder rather than Carvalho so again we're kind of talking about contrasting profiles of players that Norwich City are looking at, which um, maybe doesn't marry up to to some of the recruitment that we've seen. He's an interesting one. YouTube supercuts are always very dangerous, aren't they? I'm, I'm going back a bit here, but I remember Julian Brellier and Mark Fotheringham turning up on the basis of they look good on YouTube. And I'm sorry to those lads, but they did not do the business for Norwich at all. Uh, particularly Brellier, Fotheringham maybe in a few games. Uh, he was a captain for a little while as well, wasn't he? Um, but I, I digress. Um, in those highlights packages, he looks quite similar to Lee Smalou to me in, in the way he's quite athletic and, and dynamic and similar sort of size. He doesn't look as maybe one-dimensional, but I don't mean that in, in sort of a, a critical way, as a Carvalho or a Ibrahim Amadou or maybe even Alex Tetty, where it's a very specific defensive midfielder that's what they're going to do they're not necessarily going to be your passing pivot or whatever this guy looks like he's got a bit more about him than that doesn't he looks like he's someone that wants to get on the ball wants to get forward uh wants to be involved but is clearly very happy to put in um put in, put his foot in as well so i don't know maybe, maybe it's sort of a tom tribal lease malu hybrid um and perhaps that is what daniel wants maybe he maybe the amadou uh spell has sort of scarred daniel a little bit in that he doesn't want someone who's 
who's only there to defend and is only there to be a brick wall. He is looking for someone that can do that and will do that, um, but also is proficient at the technical side of things and the passing side of the games, which is where Amadou failed, really, wasn't it? With the context that he got shunted in defence for, for a while and that kind of messed him up. So, you know, obviously they're looking for someone like Oliver Skip, but... Oliver Skip's a £20 million player who's now starting for Tottenham, at least £20 million probably, and is probably going to be an England international sooner or later. So it's not easy to find a direct replacement on the budget that they're working with. But if they could get him equally, as with Carvalho, he would seem like a good addition for a newly promoted Premier League team. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't seem this one has, has progressed at all from, from when we were speaking about it last week in terms of the, the differences in the clubs. Of course, Norwich um, would ideally like to get him on a loan with an obligation to buy, obviously dependent on survival in the Premier League. Rostov, I think, would, would be open to a loan, providing that obligation was um, compulsory, irrespective of what division Norwich are in, which obviously won't happen because everyone knows the way Norwich operate. They're not going to be spending... 14 million quid on a on a championship player they, they simply don't have the facility to, to do that so unless there is some compromise this one probably is a, a little bit stuck for now but Norwich have until Tuesday 11 o'clock um, uh, to, to do their business so we shall see what comes and, and and that probably feeds into some of the questions we've been getting Dave quite a few along these lines um, Jake has said uh, should we be worried that Norwich haven't been linked with any centre-backs considering the deadline is Tuesday um, there's another one as well from Alex at what point do we get worried not even had a concrete rumour since Norman over a week ago. Of course, we had Carvalho yesterday, which um, I think is, is fair to say that one certainly had an element of, of truth to it, although is it, well, I, I would say it isn't going to happen. Jake as well saying, um, should I be worried about the lack of links to, to defensive midfielders and, and centre-backs? Everyone knows what Norwich City wants. That that probably comes with a little bit of a premium in the market. Stuart Weber has um, said multiple times that, that Norwich are going to have to be patient. It seems like it's going to be an interesting few days of the window. Norwich really are in uncharted waters. Usually um, under Stuart Webber and, and Daniel Farker, business has been done um, sort of sooner rather than later. So I think we're all watching with intrigue, aren't we, Dave, about how the next few days develop and, and whether they can get these sort of remaining two players that they desire over the line? Yeah, the, the lack of new centre-back links has surprised me a little bit. Obviously, we had Gary Cahill emerge, didn't we? And as we told people fairly quickly that was a genuine interest it's just the answer Norwich got was I'd rather stay in the south and and Bournemouth were interested so that made more sense and that's where he ended up although I was a bit surprised we didn't see him at Carrow on um, on Tuesday night I'm just just going back over my list really and yeah of, of all the players that are linked and you know the one who um, Watford have just signed Mo Sissoko from from Tottenham haven't they but the other one it's Watford who've got Ozan Tufan on loan isn't it yeah um, that he was obviously linked with Norwich at some point. Um, yeah, they were they were also interested in uh, Matthias Norman, obviously the the player we've just been talking about earlier this summer, but yeah. but had a uh, well, I don't know what form it was, but some sort of interest not back. So again, it's 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 clear that I, I think a lot of clubs do want defensive midfielders at the moment, which is probably making the task a little bit harder for Norwich. Yeah, um, and centre back wise, I mean, obviously we know Chris Chris Iyer was one that they wanted, and Brentford ended up gazumping them. Um, there was the lad out in Germany, wasn't there, Sebastian Bornau? Yeah, um, and he ended up with Wolfsburg, didn't he? So Champions League football, yeah, yeah, or exactly. was yeah. And the other one linked was Tosin Adarabeo, wasn't it, at Fulham? So he's not moved anywhere yet. Although I think there were some quotes suggesting he was happy to stay with Fulham for the season, weren't there? Um, a, a few weeks back, so. Yeah, um, but as as you said a little while ago, things move so quickly at this stage of the window because 
Um, just look at Cristiano Ronaldo moving between two of the biggest clubs in the world. And it's happened seemingly in, in a matter of hours. Um, if Norwich get a breakthrough, then they could well get things sewn up pretty quickly. And even though it's a match day tomorrow, it, you could even hear things breaking on a Saturday. It's going to be an interesting few days. Um, Stuart, as you said, does not like doing things on deadline day. Um, but Daniel once again said in his in his quotes today, didn't he, that we've been pretty open about this. We want we wanted a left back, a centre back, and a defensive midfielder. They've got Brandon Williams in. They haven't got the other two in. And he basically was saying trust in Stuart Weber, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. What's what's your feeling then, Dave? And and this is probably based on personal feeling more than more than anything that we've heard or, or know do you feel that we'll be sat here Wednesday morning with with those two players in the building and kind of everyone looking ahead to, to the season um, with probably a bit more optimism than certainly gauging some of the comments that we're getting which is a, a lot of concern maybe about the lack of, uh, of rumours um, more than anything else obviously work is ongoing behind the scenes as you said we have we have had links on these two positions it's not like it's it's gone completely quiet Norman is is obviously still alive so um What's your feeling? Do you think they'll get the two that, that they're after come Wednesday morning? I think I think they will definitely get one. Uh, I think, given that it's a defensive midfielder, that they will, if they have to, spend that bit more money to get the deal done, that's where they'll do it. And that Omibamadeli and Zimmerman, um, given they're both fit at the moment, Zimmerman was all right the other night as well, wasn't he? Again, with the, the context of Bournemouth being pretty poor. I think given that Sorensen can play centre-back as well and that if you're bringing in a defensive midfielder and Fark has generally shown that he's happy to move defensive midfielders back in an emergency, that if they can't get a centre-back that they're happy with, then I don't think that they'll force that one through as much as the defensive midfielder. I think that's the one where really you've got to get the deal done. You've got to make another solid defensive addition. Um, but if they can get them both, of course they will, because I'm sure they'll be haunted by, as I think I said in in this video a week ago, if the you know 20 minutes into the game at Arsenal after the the transfer window is closed after the international break, Grant Hanley's hamstring goes, you're going to have a lot of egg on your face if you haven't got another centre back competing, um, and that you've then got a 19 year old lad and and Christoph Zimmerman who's had plenty of fitness issues in the last two years. So I think defence midfield is the priority. Um, and I think they will get one of the two and it's got to be the midfielder. So I wouldn't be 100% surprised if the centre-back didn't turn up, but we shall see. I've got a sneaky feeling we may be waiting until deadline day for one. That, of course, is um, what Norwich City have done so far in the market. Um, been very, very busy, very busy. I think that's fair to say, very, both incomings yeah. and outgoing. So, so let's reflect on, on a couple of, that have departed the club this week then, Dave. Let's start with Jordan Hugo because that's probably the, the one that's perhaps a bit more relevant to Norwich City's first team. He, he, he was involved in, in the group last year. Tom Tribal obviously wasn't. So we'll start with Jordan Hugo, alone to West Brom. I, I think this is a very good move for all parties, really. When you look at how Valor and Ishmael played at Barnsley last year, Daryl DK was deployed in kind of this big target man role, mm. um, willing runner, chased everyone down, was relentless. Jordan Hugill, um, certainly off the ball is is the way he presses, is, is, is tremendous, really. I don't think we probably got to see the best of that at Norwich last year, mainly because of the system and what he played under 700 minutes, which probably isn't a, a massive amount of football to, to really judge a player in. Plus, you could probably argue about styles of play and whether he... he fully, truly fitted into what Norwich City want um, for, from a striker. But 
West Brom does seem like a good fit. And certainly from the quotes we've seen from him so far, he seems very happy to uh, to turn up there. Yeah, funnily enough, I'd just written up Farker's quotes um, on Hugel and the opening paragraph is, my fingers are cr- definitely crossed for Jordan. I've spoken about how much I really love his personality and love this lad. And that's a big thing, um, is that he was a, a big personality in the dressing room definitely played into the positivity. Farker spoke about him and Gibson in particular, sort of brought the banter almost, didn't they, at the start of last season, helped with that fresh feeling of a new squad and and knitted everybody together really well. And that side of things, he, he definitely ticked the box. On the pitch, I think, I don't think you can judge him too harshly because of the injuries, um, but he never really built up too much momentum, did he? There were, there were a few games where he certainly played his part, um, scored two against Bristol City. The, the penalty at Rotherham, of course, was was a crucial goal, wasn't it? I mean, what, 96 minute or whatever it was. And yeah, he, he played his part, a bit like Jordan Rhodes uh, two seasons before, really. He, he filled that role, but just te- technique-wise, he never really seemed to fit the Farker model, really. He His control and things wasn't quite up to standard. And I think that'll be a really good move for him. When Ishmael started doing well with Barnsley, People started noticing, didn't they? And, and started talking about, oh, that, that guy's doing well at Barnsley. I never heard of him before. And then they actually watched the football and realised that it's pretty agricultural. It's it's Allardyce hoofball style, to be perfectly honest, mixed with a bit of Jurgen Klopp gegenpressing, isn't it? It's just, it's a bit chaotic. And they did it well, but it's not pretty football. And it'll get West Brom back to the Premier League, I would dare say. And if... Hugel stays fit. I think he'll probably do a very similar job, hopefully have a few more goals in there because it'll suit his style a bit more and he'll be getting more crosses into the box and more free kicks and things like that. And um, what what was that quote? Was it from Alex Neal who said that he's like a hurricane? He just causes causes chaos all around him. We never really got to see that because Norwich don't go for chaos, do they? It's it's more uh, a defined, definite build up looking for that right opportunity relying on being good players and uh yeah but i hope it goes well for him and without wanting to put a negative slant on things he's still under contract if norwich were to go back down next year he's a good guy to bring back into the squad if you're relegated if if you want to be perfectly frank about things but if norwich stay up yeah he'll he'll be moved on permanently next summer you would have thought yeah, but particularly if he has a, another promotion on his CV, that would that would be tremendous, wouldn't it? In terms of character, again, without trying to get too um, too bleak on it, if Norwich do find themselves back in the Championship, uh, as proven last season, I think he's he's exactly the right sort of character that you'd want around the place. And and I think it's probably fair to say that if that move hadn't materialised and Jordan Hugo was still here after um, after Tuesday, that I, I don't think Norwich would have been too disappointed just because of what he gives you around the dressing room. Very popular, I think we've we've seen that from the messages. Not one that would have thrown his toys out of the pram by by any um by any stretch so yeah we wish jordan all the best i think he's um he's a well he seems to be a good lad seems to be popular in the dressing room and no doubt that he'll score plenty of goals in the championship uh, there's a question here along the lines of tom tribal which um I wanted to come to. Um, I may have missed it. I'll try and find it whilst um, whilst we speak about Tom. He, he's obviously uh, his kind of contract was mutually terminated yesterday. He's subsequently gone to join Hanover today. The question was, which I, I seem to have lost, um, was essentially asking um, why Norwich have, have kind of let him go for free when potentially there was a a, a fee to get for him. Um, may be able to to flash it up at some point. Hopefully, Tony can find it for us. Um, it's an interesting one with 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 tribal, isn't it? Because we we saw him play such a significant role in Norwich's first 
title win under Daniel Farker. He's obviously been here since Daniel Farker joined the club. Um, certainly one of the, the first additions that, that he made. Always, a, there we go. This, this That's the question from Alex. It, it was always um, kind of neat and tidy with him. Um, obviously went on loan to, to Blackburn last season. He was one of the, the three, wasn't he, that, that Norwich kind of... Um, maybe moved away from in terms of players it was him, Dermich and Leitner that, that were kind of cast aside as, as they went into a new direction. So this was probably inevitable to some stretch. But in terms of that question that Alex is is asking there, is is he someone that you think they could have got a fee for if they'd have held on a, a little bit longer? Do you think there's kind of a, a goodwill element to that agreement? Well, possibly, but you can't forget the wages. I mean, what's he going to have been on in the Premier League? I don't know whether his wage will have gone up because he didn't play last season, but... Say he's on twenty grand, which a week, which seems reasonable. You're saving a million pounds, aren't you, by getting rid of him? Um, so it's going to be somewhere around that region, maybe a bit less, a bit more potentially. So I, that is probably the the main thing that they'll be worried about at the moment is that money then goes into the pot for trying to get your defensive midfielder, uh, y- your new one for the future, doesn't it? And yeah, you, maybe if you'd have really hung around, you might have got a quarter of a million for him, but it, it wasn't going to make a, a massive difference to to what Norwich are trying to do at the moment. So um, I think the bigger thing was that they had a lot of this hanging around, didn't they? A lot of these players still on the books and just in the background, which wasn't a great noise, you know. Dermich, Leitner, Closer, whoever, not necessarily causing problems or anything in the background, but it was kind of like... Um, uh, an overshadow from the previous failure, wasn't it? And it's still linked to the club. And once Norwich were promoted, as Daniel framed it today, really, it wasn't, it no longer became a difficult decision or a difficult conversation with Tom because he knew he wasn't going to come back into it in the Premier League. Um, if they were still in the Championship, maybe so. He would have come back in for the final year of his contract. But um, it was pretty straightforward. And this works for everyone, doesn't it? There's this lovely little quote from the Hanover Sporting Director that he's mastered the English tackle. Um, which caught my eye straight away. Um, and Tom put up a really nice Instagram post as well, didn't he? So I'm, I'm sure it, it's like Steeperman and, and Leitner and um, Closer, I guess, when he does go, you'd have thought that something will be sorted with Closer as well, maybe even before before the deadline. Um, I saw on Insta that he was on a flight back to Switzerland the other day, wasn't he? So um, all the Norwich fans will wish those guys well and, and really hope that they manage to go and have a bit more fun in their career uh, before they move into their sort of uh, mid-30s and things like that. Um, because they were such big parts of of a new regime that was so su- successful in 2018-19 and, and they all played really major parts. And, and Tribal was, I, I remember when he first signed and was it the Arsenal game, the League Cup game? Um, or it might have been the, the round before at Brentford, actually. And um, Farker made that joke, didn't he, that oh, I don't want to big him up too much because I don't want Arsenal or Chelsea to know about him or anything. And he, he just, he really came in as a, as a force in that first season before injury pegged him back a bit and stuff and and was always seemed a really good character and things like that. So yeah, he goes to Hanover, Bundesliga 2, uh, gets his career moving in the right direction. And I think everyone probably um, sort of shakes hands and, and goes their separate ways. Yeah, to what two Germans left now? Lucas Rupp and, and Christoph Zimmermann from from that first wave that we saw. So that might be a, a chant that has to be retired for now. Um, uh, Omel <laughs> yeah. Hernandez, if you technically want to include him, and we we will come on to him now actually because there was a um, uh, well, it was you that, that asked Daniel about his his situation today in in the press conference. He obviously hasn't been involved in well any of the the free match day squads that we've seen so far. He obviously was was one of the um, players affected by the COVID outbreak at the club. Um, 
Daniel kind of listed that as a reason. But there was an interesting bit at the end of his answer to your question, which sort of um, suggested that the door was was open to uh, to an offer, either that either a loan or or a permanent before the the window closed on on Tuesday. I'm sure a, a lot of Championship clubs would have been um, <laughs> their ears would have um, pricked up to an extent. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because right from back in May, we've been reporting that him and Boheta could potentially leave. But Boheta seems to have, because he's had this COVID situation and it's dragged on for him for a while, he's struggled to get fit again. That's probably meant that they're not going to get him alone because, or any type of move, because nobody's probably going to be willing to take a take a punt on him at the moment. Um, whereas Hernandez hasn't struggled as much. He has been training in recent weeks, hasn't he? You've seen him in all the photos looking like he's having good fun and he's being O'Neill. <laughs> you know, he's um, one of the chirpiest football players you, you could ever meet. I, I always remember going to um, the boxing gym in uh, in Norwich um, when it was before Sam Sexton's big um, fight. Uh, he had the British heavyweight title fight a few years ago and it was um, O'Neill and Christoph Zimmerman and Louis Thompson doing boxing and sparring and, and things like that. And O'Neill absolutely loved it. It was before he, he was speaking, uh, before his English was particularly fluent and he needed Christoph Zimmerman as sort of a translator. It was one of the weirder interviews that I ever did. Zimmerman sweating profusely from the boxing that they'd done. And that was good fun. But, you know, all the stuff with Argos and things like that. He's such a popular guy for, for his personality, you know, the tattoo at the end of last season and all that sort of stuff. Um, that, again, he's one that, when it comes to an end, and it probably will sooner or later now, I think he's still got two years on his contract, hasn't he? But people will be sad to see him go because he's such a, a nice guy and he's really made his mark here. And I don't think he'd necessarily want to go. So unless a, a move comes up which really does work for him, um, I would imagine that he's quite happy to sort of stay and fight for his place because he's happy at Norwich, isn't he? And he, he want, he'll feel that he has still got something to offer. Um, and I think if you put O'Neill in, he's not he's not going to let you down, is he? He'll work hard. He's got the pace. He's got the the skills. It's just he doesn't necessarily have the uh, end product in the Premier League. So, yeah, one to monitor. If a bit like with Hugel, isn't it? If you know West Brom come in, it's a Valerianish male team straight away. Makes sense. Off you go. Yeah, uh, good low move. If something that similarly fits O'Neill Hernandez really well, top end of Bundesliga 2, where it's going to suit his style or something, they'll do the deal you would have thought, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how the final few days develop. Of course, Pinkin.com, uh, the place to go, will we'll have anything there as and when it breaks. Um, we'll, we'll kind of end that section on transfers with a clip of Daniel Farker um, from his press conference today, giving a little bit of an, an update, and then we'll look ahead to tomorrow's game against Leicester. His City's head coach speaking earlier today. Well, in general, it's it's our our way never to comment any rumors or any names. We just uh, announce business once business is done. We were quite open and transparent also about what we want to do. So, want to strengthen strengthen also our defense defensive role. We've done this with uh, Brandon Williams. We're still looking uh, out for perhaps some additions for our for our defensive uh, setup. I think it's it's uh, quite important necessary to stay awake till the window is closed. And uh, we try to do some business, but. Um, I can't confirm anything at the moment that we will do something. So everything has to be has to be right. And um, I pretty much trust our sporting director Stuart Weber, who has done a fantastic job, especially over the last um, last weeks, also during this transfer window. Um, so I'm I'm pretty pretty pleased with work, and I'm I'm quite confident that also the last days uh, will be quite successful in the in the way we want to be successful. So are you looking? 
defensive areas and midfield areas as well? Yes, we will stay awake on, on each and every um, uh, position. So if uh, Cristiano changes his mind and, and wants uh, to have experience at Norwich, uh, we will also go for, for a striker offensive player. But uh, we made it quite clear that especially also in, in, in our defensive uh, area, so also holding midfielder position, that we, uh, that we are still in the market and, and will stay awake um, till the uh, window is, uh, is closed. There you go. So that, that sums up the transfer. Um, well, well, where Norwich City are with transfers at the moment. Let's look ahead to, to the game against Leicester tomorrow then, Dave. Let's start with probably the two players that have been most spoke about or spoken about by Norwich City fans this week after their performance uh, performances on, on Tuesday, Josh Sargent and Christos Solis. Um, a little bit of a, a blow to maybe their chances of, of starting tomorrow, both slight doubts. Um, whether Again, probably a, a, another debate about whether Daniel Falker would have started either of them um, anyway, but this probably now makes it extremely unlikely that, that any of them, uh, either of them rather, um, start tomorrow. Would you agree with that? Is that kind of a fair assessment, do you think? Sounds like it, unless it's a bit of kidology from Daniel to to really uh, throw Brendan Rodgers, but I don't think you tend to get a lot of that nowadays, do you? Because teams come out at two two o'clock and teams are so well prepared they have all the analysts and things like that I, I don't I think you do pretty well to to pull one over your, your opponents with an hour hour's notice wouldn't they they have an analyst straight away into you know if it's going to be Scholes then they'd be speaking to Ricardo Pereira wouldn't they saying right this is what you've got to watch out for that they would be on it pretty pretty quickly and their teams are so well prepared nowadays I, I don't think you tend to get too much of managers trying to throw people off the scent um and, and from our experience of Daniel, he generally doesn't do things like that, does he? If, if he says a player's a doubt, then we can probably assume that they're going to be on the bench at best. Um, otherwise, he, he probably wouldn't say anything about it. But it's a, it's a shame. Uh, yeah, Sergeant, um, a pain in the backside, quite literally, by the sounds of it. A, a, a glute strain um, and half problems for Scholes. But nothing major. That was what Daniel was keen to stress. And I, I think they're both going to be involved tomorrow, aren't they? But yeah. Um, it just is maybe an insight into into Daniel's think, thinking in terms of this is the final game and then he'll have an international break to work with quite a few of them and make his own plans and work with his coaches on what they're going to do for the games ahead and whether we'll start to see the sort of new team almost come together um, from the Arsenal game onwards. Um, with the caveat that there's going to be a lot of players away on international duty and as you pointed out earlier, Josh Sargent's going to have like, 48 hours to get back from Honduras, isn't he? So um, bench at absolute best at the Emirates for him, you would have thought, unless they can come to some agreement with the US to, to not play him for that third game. They, they probably can handle Honduras without him, you would have thought, wouldn't you? But um, we'll see how those sort of things work out. But it's a shame for both both players because they were excellent on Tuesday. Um, Scholes in particular. Sergeant, I think, was a, a bit quiet in the first half, but was always a presence. And he always worked that Bournemouth back line and his size definitely helps. His touch is good. Um, but Scholes, I think it, I think Rashica must have been watching on a little bit nervously and maybe even Todd Cantwell as well, because that, that role on the right hasn't necessarily looked to suit Todd down to the ground just yet, as it, it seemed like he's having to adjust his style a little bit to playing on the right of a 4-3-3. So as much as anything as well, that the fans are going to be desperate to see Scholes again, aren't they? Because he was excellent. He was really exciting to watch. And if he can produce anything like that in the Premier League, then he's going to be a bit of a star. And he's just at the beginning of it all. And 
what was it? There was a nice little line from Daniel today when he said he's a, a really nice young lad or something like that, wasn't it? I, I, I love working with him already and just almost a quite paternal comment from Daniel that already this, this kid is making a big impact. And he's only been here, what, three weeks, something like that, less than three weeks, maybe. So, yeah, that's a little bit of a shame, but it's, it's still so early. And we've got to remember that this is Leicester. This is still one of the top teams in the Premier League. And it's not like Daniel hasn't got anything to turn to. He has got options. He has got Campwell, Dow and Rashica, uh Puki, of course, up front, Adam Ida. So he has got options uh, going into a to a tough game that it's not like we could say Jolis would tear them apart. He's going to be up against, frankly, if he was playing, one of the best right backs in the Premier League in Ricardo Pereira. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a fair point. I wrote a whole piece on this uh, this morning. I, I just I, I didn't really see either of them starting anyway. I think if you're Milo Rashica and, and you've just signed for a new club and you're you're getting dropped on the back of a 5-0 defeat to Manchester City, I mm. think you, you're probably turning around and probably shrugging your shoulders and, and feeling a bit annoyed, um, quite frankly. It's not, as Daniel Farkas said last week, in fairness, it's not those games that are going to keep Norwich City in the Premier League. Probably remains to be seen whether Leicester are, but Norwich did extract four of their 21 points against Leicester last time they're in the Premier League. So who knows, could be a, a good possibility. I'll just give you some thinking time on this, Dave. Um, and I'll ask, um, I'm basically going to ask you about kind of the changes that you'd make tomorrow if, if you were Daniel Farquhar. I think in my head, I'd probably imagine two. Um, so I'll see if, if, if we kind of agree. Um, let us know as well what changes, if, if you're watching this live, what changes you would make to uh, the starting eleven that, that played against Manchester City. I think I can I can probably think of maybe three popular ones that, that we'll see. So let us know in the comments. We'll see um, how many we, we agree with. Dave, as we said, 10 changes in midweek. I think there's been some debate about how many Daniel Farker will, will make, if any, tomorrow, of course. Um, how, how do you see him going about it? What changes do you think? I, I think probably Kenny McLean is, is the obvious one. Do you see any others beyond that? I would play Williams, but I don't think Daniel will. Um, I think following on from what I've just said and what you just said there, I, I don't think he'll want to sort of snub Yanulis in that way. I think he'll feel that that's too harsh on the back of the most difficult game you're going to have all season, Manchester City away, probably. Um, I think that he will probably feel that leaving Yanulis out would be quite shattering for his confidence and would maybe leave him thinking, oh, I've done all of this to get to the Premier League. I've moved over from Greece. I went to the Championship. Um, it, the sort of master plan was in place, wasn't it? To, to be dropped so swiftly for someone who was signed on Monday just doesn't feel very Daniel Farker to me. I think he's more likely to give Yanulis an opportunity and hope that it goes well. And then over the international break, um, he's got time to really think about it. And then you've got a real battle going on. Um, because I, I think from what we've seen so far, and probably even before you knew um, Williams was actually signed, my feeling was that Williams was probably going to become the left-back now. Um, it's just a case of maybe when rather than if. So, yeah, it, from four seasons of watching Daniel Farker closely, I've got a feeling that he'll probably stick with Yanulis at left back. But yeah, Kenny McLean comes in for Lucas Rupp, I think al almost certainly. And uh, as, as, as I said it earlier, I did wonder whether maybe McLean will be the deeper of the three and he'll just free up Gilmore a little bit to, to be to his left because that's where McLean has quite often played for, for Scotland and those raking deep balls against Bournemouth, they, they work nicely and he looked full of energy and, 
and full of uh, sort of pep, really, didn't he? So it'll be interesting. But yeah, I, I don't see Daniel making sweeping changes. No, me neither. I, I think they're probably the only two I, I could see. I think you, you raise a good point about Williams. There is maybe he could he could make a better argument to him if, if this is the way that he was going to go and he was going to start your new list tomorrow. Maybe he could make a better case to Williams and to say, look, well, obviously at the moment, Williams is, is going to be at Colney for the two weeks. He's, he's only on, on the standby list. So if he doesn't get called into the England under-21 group, then he essentially has two weeks to work with him, doesn't he, ahead of that Arsenal game. Your new list is going to be away with Greece. He could probably say, well, look, you've been out of the building. Williams has been in the building. That maybe perhaps um, is the moment where we might see Williams um, overtake your new list a little bit. I could still see him starting Williams tomorrow, to be honest. I think those are probably the only two changes I, I see him making. I don't think he'll go for sweeping changes and we'll suddenly see Josh Sargent for Tim. Although I'm, I'm almost certain we won't see Josh Sargent for Timu Puki tomorrow from uh, from the quotes that, that he, he gave on, on Timu today, which, which were quite interesting, really, because there's been some um, small, probably, I, I'd say, um, number of people talking about Puki and, and the direction maybe of, of where Norwich want to go in terms of it looks like they're setting up to be a bit more of a counter-attacking side. Um, Rashica certainly looks more of a natural winger than than probably Buendia and Campbell did last season where they both look to come inside and try and create those chances. What do you make of that Puki situation and how that will evolve? He's obviously had a very, very disjointed pre-season, more so than maybe the vast majority of, of the other Norwich um, players, with the exception of Grant Hanley, perhaps. Um, hasn't quite looked on it, has he, in the opening two games? But as Daniel said, those two games were probably important for getting fitness in in his legs. No, yes, yeah, that physical element of it with Puki, isn't it? And I'll just, as I say, I, I would start Williams. And because it's Leicester and Arsenal, I'd be starting Williams because he's got over 50 appearances in the Premier League and you knew this has played twice. Um, although he's a Greek international and, and all, all that comes with that. So, yeah, with Puki, I mean, if they're going to play more of a counter-attacking style, which is what they did in the first half, I think that'll suit him quite nicely as long as the as long as the passes are going into the channels, which is what he wants. And as long as he's got someone actually trying to find him, which, um, you know, is easier said than done against Liverpool and Manchester City. But Campwell did put him through against Liverpool at 0-0, didn't he? And he should have squared to Rashica rather than, rather than had a shot, but even the shot wasn't... Puki standard really was it it was classic Tamu in terms of if he's got time to think about it he generally takes the wrong option if he's just on his instincts he'll bury it um yeah I'm I'm in no way writing off Tamu Puki yet um I I wonder whether he might go away with Finland he's still only two away from the uh record isn't he and uh if he gets that during the break then all of a sudden he's going to be revitalized isn't he um from Yari Lippmann's record for Finland I wonder whether that might be a little narrative that that plays out um but we know that Daniel Farker loves Tame Ruki understandably for everything that he's done in his three seasons at the club is it has been phenomenal and um I would question any Norwich fans that would turn on him so quickly but you do have to be ruthless Daniel spoke about when we were talking about Tribal and Hugo today about you can't be too romantic if you want to survive in the Premier League, you have got to be ruthless. And if Josh Sargent proves to be the better option, then he's got to be the starting option. If Brandon Williams proves to be better than Demetrius Yanoulis as a starting option, then he has to start as well, doesn't he? You've got to, you've got to go for the best team that gives you the best chance of staying up. But um, as ever with Timu and with most strikers, once he's got one goal, he'll he'll probably be away and he'll go on a little patch and a, and a little hot streak, won't he? So let's hope that starts tomorrow nice and early. 
Yeah, fingers crossed. Leicester having a somewhat of a defensive injury crisis at the moment. They're going to be without um, Yannick Vestergaard and Johnny Evans tomorrow. Oh, so it okay. looks like Daniel Amati is, is going to be part, uh, partnering um, Soyuncu as well, which is what he's done in, in the first two games of the yeah. season, primarily. He's more of a defensive midfielder, yeah, but mm. um, but can play centre back. Has played centre back before, but but not probably the first choice. So maybe that's uh, going to be an area of weakness. Ryan Bertrand set to return for for Leicester as well tomorrow, so um, that may free up Pereira to play in a more advanced role in in right midfield, as I think he's done on a couple of occasions last season. So um, we shall see. This is a, an interesting one from Will. He he, he simply put Dowell question mark, mm. and he's not someone who's who's been spoken about a lot this season, or kind of when we've been talking about. 11s and what Daniel might do. I haven't seen a, a great deal of people suggest that Kieran Dow should could come into the starting lineup. I thought he he was pretty good on Tuesday. I think he faded a little bit in the second half, to be completely honest, but did have a hand in, in a couple of the goals. Where do you kind of see him fitting in this season? Uh, I, I certainly would, probably wouldn't expect him to to start tomorrow, but still seems very much in the plans. Yeah, as things stand, it feels like he's a top championship player and we're we need to see whether he can make that step. But unless he's playing regularly, it's going to be difficult. And I, I don't think the shape's going to help him particularly. The 4-3-3, three, three, if, if it's not really working for Campwell, then I don't think it's really going to work for him. That If they're not going to have a, a sort of a number 10, not not really sure where Kieran fits in. Because I think he's a lovely footballer. And if he'd have been fit all of last season, I think he could well have had a much more high-profile season because the final, what, 10 matches, we really saw what he could do. And he is too good for, for the championship when he's on his day and, and he's on top form. But physically, you know, that is the big thing that often gets overlooked with the Premier League. Obviously, the, the step up in quality is vast from the championship, but the step up in athletes is is there as well. Everybody is big and fast. And, and Dow maybe hasn't shown that he's got that sort of dynamism to his game where you could play him as a, sort of a, 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 an out-and-out out winger. Um, but I don't know. I think that there is a lot of quality there. There's a lot of technique. There's definitely a Daniel Farker player in there, but maybe he's going to have to learn a new role. He's going to have to adapt in some way. And if he gets his opportunity in the league, he's really going to have to take it because at the moment it doesn't feel like he's going to get a great deal of, of opportunities. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be writing off Dow yet because... A, he's got a great free kick in his locker, isn't he? He's got a very good left foot. He might just come up trumps at the right time and get a run in the team, but he's going to have to be he's going to have to be flexible. It seems if Daniel's not going to be playing a number ten. Yeah, he had to be patient last season, didn't he? Although he had that that injury, which which knocked him back a little bit. Like you said there, I just wonder if the the set pieces at some point um, maybe uh, may become quite relevant if uh, if Norwich are in search for a goal. But it only takes one moment, doesn't it, to um, yeah. to burst onto the scene and get a run in the team. So uh, so we shall see. We've we've had all of our all of our changes from the viewers. So we'll ask them now for the for the score prediction. We'll, we'll kind of um, turn to that side as we look to close it in the next two minutes or, or so, Dave. Um, how do you see this game going tomorrow? It's a different proposition to Liverpool and Manchester City, but worth noting that, that Leicester are still, in Premier League terms, still, well, a, a force, really. They were, they were just outside the Champions League places um, last season. I've seen them earlier today, certainly in betting odds, um, be placed as the favourites to, to win the Europa League. So this isn't... This isn't um, a favourable game in terms of Norwich City being favourites or, or anything like that. So how, how do you see it kind of playing out? Yeah, they're an excellent team. Uh, I've seen a, a few 1-1s flash through there and that's where my head was going. Three 1-1s. Three or four comments. I think everybody would be happy with that at the moment. Um, that would build things very nicely, wouldn't it? And 
even 2-2 would be nice, but that's another two goals conceded. I think I think the big thing tomorrow is even if they don't win, you've got to see some growth and you'd hope that the momentum of Tuesday will, will play a big part in that and that they're going to go out on that pitch and not be dragged down by the 5-0 against Manchester City. They, they well, hopefully are going to be full of motivation to really prove themselves that they do belong at this level. They've had the absolute tripe that they've heard from Talk Sport this week, which um, we've we've covered to some extent, but tried to not get too um, bogged down because it is just a, a load of rubbish, really, isn't it? And it, they were clearly just trying to stir a reaction, and that's exactly what they got. That's, that's kind of what their professionals are doing, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I really hope they come out fired up, looking to show um, that they are in this Premier League, that they've got a foothold because if they were to slump to another 3-0 defeat, it's going to be very difficult for people to not be fretting and, and worrying through that international break, knowing that it's Arsenal to come and Aubameyang's just turned up again, hasn't he, in the cup? And then, as we've talked about a little bit on the podcast, the Watford game looms larger and larger, doesn't it? That becomes a game that you've got to win. So anything they can get out tomorrow in terms of points would be great. But as long as we see an encouraging performance more more steel in defence, then, then hopefully we'll have um, some positives to build on. But of course, they are capable of winning this game. We've we've seen that. They are they were the deserved championship champions with 97 points, as Daniel was talking about the other day. If Leicester are just a bit off their game and Norwich turn up, they can definitely beat them. Yeah, if Leicester play anything like they did on Monday night against West Ham, then um, then there's certainly potential for Norwich yeah. City tomorrow. Um, we will be at Carroll Road, of course. We'll be live on all of our socials, uh, all of our social channels at two o'clock uh, for the team news. Uh, Dave will be on the live blog as well. We'll have all our usual service, pinking.com. Of course, the place to go for all the Norwich City news and views as well. Daniel Farker's thoughts on there from today's press conference as well. Dave, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you all very much for watching. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Friday evenings and we'll see you again very soon.